say it, like a playground. You can you can use any technology we want. We keep improving it. The, the biggest difference I think is that their system is pool based. So they do like every so many seconds they pull something and we just push everything through. As we said, it doesn't look like anything as we did an approved concept. We say like, hey, API, give me a stream. Everything we built is non-blocking. Hey everyone, welcome to the Ball.com Tech Lab podcast. We share our experience with you. Peeking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Ball.com, the largest e-commerce platform in the Netherlands and Belgium. We are sharing our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. The hosts of the show, Peter Paul van der Beek and Peter Brouwers. Welcome. One of the purposes of this podcast is to share our unique Bol.com culture with you. And traditions play an important part in culture. So in this episode, we share a view on the evolution of one of our traditions. And a tradition that really underlines our focus on data and data-driven decisions. So if you're one of the people like me that spent way too much time watching CNN or other networks, watching the US uh, uh, elections unfold and how uh, the data there was given, then you might really like what's in this uh, episode. Yeah, and it's related to the time of the year. The season has started. Actually, it already started with Singles Day. Over the last couple of years, the event became bigger and bigger in the Netherlands and Belgium. And now we're in the Black Friday festival week. We are not going to talk about the load on the systems. Uh, we had uh, we had other uh, episodes on that already. Um, we we are going to talk about yeah actually on one screen that all Ball.com colleagues colleagues has open all day during this season period. The initial version was born back in 2004, and it got the name Ankorama, which uh, refers to a colleague who built it. Anko. And we are now dealing with a brand new version. I think it's version three. And it's also known as real-time sales. That, na- that name already says a lot. And I, yeah, I think our guests of the show, the, yeah, the, who built it, they know everything about it. So let's introduce them, Peter Pan. Yeah, they knew it. It's, that's why they're here. And uh, the experts of today are Koos uh, van der Bekeron. He's a software engineer in the buying domain. Uh, Martin Zolsman. Uh, which you of course know uh, because he was a uh, guest before uh, on the show. He's a software engineer in the buying domain and because of that also a friend of the show. And we have uh, Eugene Figueroa, software engineer in the selling assortment and fintech uh, domain and all in their second year of the Young Professional uh, program. So welcome gentlemen. Hi. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. How did he trick you into this refactoring of the real-time sales uh, screen? So, uh, dating back as we joined uh, last year, we saw the real-time sales dashboard for the first time around Black Friday, and we were like, oh, this is cool. And uh, as Bold.com, every time uh, an update is there, it's like significant. We celebrate it, and we were like, oh, wait, this update takes quite a long time every time. What is going on? And then we had an uh, invite um, for a hackathon, and then we thought, all right, let's see if we can actually make a real-time sales that isn't pulling what is being push-based, uh, so we can be more real-time and more efficient as well. And that's how it all started. So, and uh, Marvin, you uh, you asked Goos and Eugene to uh, to join in. Goos, was, uh, what was your uh, yeah, so reason to I'm not, I'm not sure if Eugene was uh, there with the hackathon, but uh, yeah, back then 
uh, we were looking at the screen on the Black Friday itself last year, and um, we just thought like, okay, let yeah, we we think we can do this better. Let's see if we can build something in the hackathon. And uh, yeah, after one day in the hackathon, we uh, thought we could do it, so we started uh, doing it one day a week for this whole year, actually. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. For me, it started somewhat later. This guy, these two guys already started, but then. As a young professional, you have 20% of your time you can use for self-education. And I was mostly in the books, but after a certain time, I was like, okay, I want to find a big, cool project. And I already know these two guys. And I, I was like, what are you guys doing with your 20%? And they explained what they were trying to solve. And I was like, okay, I'm going to join. It sounds really cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so uh, we introduced a, a new item on the on the podcast. It's called the dilemmas um, or the statements, which you can uh, react on. And uh, this statement is for you. In this period of time, I cannot produce one line of code. Real-time sales is too addictive. Yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's relatable, but in a different way. So for me personally, real-time sales is very addic addictive to keep making it or keep improving it. So for me, it's still writing code while looking at the screen. Like, I ah, see, okay, I can change this or we can introduce this new feature. So we can see the different revenue per platform or stuff like that. We keep introducing it. So it's addictive to look at, but addictive to improve as well. Yeah. We have one uh, card on the screen that shows <laughs> recent <laughs> that shows recent uh, purchases. So what people just bought and where they're from and whatever. Um, and we had a delay in there because it's way too fast if you just show every order that comes in. And uh, actually, one day my manager texted me at like eight o'clock, like, "Hey, it's going too slow. Can you make it faster?" <laughs> we created a, a special mode for her, <laughs> so it shows faster. <laughs> And for you, Eugene? Yeah, the same was for me, like what Marvin said, was like it's really addictive to ju just keep improving the system. And people also give feedback, oh, it would be nice to have this feature. And after work hours, you're still programming, <laughs> discussing things. Even in the weekends, we sometimes come into a call and just start working on RTS. Like <laughs> it's really yeah. addictive. And it's yeah, also it's nice to hear that nice feedback. Yeah, so the feedback is, is amazing to hear. And then the project feels like, a, 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 how do you say it? Like a playground. You can We can use any technology we want. We keep improving it. We keep uh, testing new technologies out and compare it like, okay, can we use this or should we go this way? And how can we keep improving it? And without any limitation, basically, and giving the full bullet comp playground, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It, it, yeah, you just keep playing. I, what, what I hear from this is that for you as software engineers, that the, the, the feedback and the ability to, to use new technologies, that's really the addictive part because you, and you really can see really fast uh, the things that you improved or that it didn't work that you had to improve them. So that, that feedback, that, that's really the addictive part. Hey, on, the, on social media platforms, it's also a bit about yeah, them being too addictive. Did you use any hacks to make this really addictive for the for the users, or is just watching the data <laughs> addictive enough in itself? Yeah, well, in the in the previous uh, uh, real-time sales, Ankorama, uh, people were comparing our version with the Ankorama, and they thought like, yeah, Ankorama more because you have this yeah peeping version where you can see what what people bought recently, and. Um, after we got that feedback, we were building it in. I was like, okay, now you can't tell us anymore. Like <laughs> <laughs> that, that that feature is better in the previous uh, real-time sales because we also had. So it's also nice that we have this 
yeah short loop where people contacting us and like oh yeah uh, maybe this will be nice and when we agree we start building it also people kept comparing it and i think last friday we implemented the first feature that is new in our uh, system that is not in the old one which is uh, showing you the difference between our web shop and our apps uh, the revenue on that and um yeah so i think from now on we can start uh, yeah, implementing stuff that's not in the old one and make a yes. little difference yeah. Yeah. Hey, maybe it's good that you d describe first. Um, it's it's hard to uh, to show, of course, during a podcast. But uh, for the audience, uh, try to describe what 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 you show on the dashboard. What are the main components? So in the top, we have three cards. One is showing the the revenue in real time. One is showing the amount of orders, and one is showing the amount of uh, products that we sold. Uh, then we have a row that compares. Um, for example, uh, sales in the Netherlands versus sales in Belgium, uh, average uh, items per order, uh, average value per order, uh, or where is stuff sold? So is it sold on the web shop or on the app or on the iPhone or uh, Android? Or... And then we have uh, uh, three more cards. One is showing recent purchases, like we just talked about, and the other two rows are showing uh, top tens. So what's the top 10 highest revenue uh, products and what is the top 10 most sold products? Yeah, and in this top row, what you described with the three uh, graphs with uh, with orders, items, and and revenue, what what's really cool in there is the relation with uh, what we call the best day ever, huh? the 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 record-breaking yeah. uh, stuff. That makes it really uh, for me the um, in this period. Yeah, I got distracted a lot because yeah, are we breaking records or not? So you can really follow it during the day. Yeah, what's going on in there? It's it's uh, compared with the best day ever from uh, from the past. So that's that's really cool. Uh, I like that. So I um, yeah, you already described. Uh, yeah, we have a, an older version and the current version. Uh, why did we need a new one? We didn't necessarily need one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as a as a developer, you're like mm, maybe it can be better, and that's that's how it started. We didn't really need. To have one because real time is like yeah what is real time or if an event happened it still takes our system 100 milliseconds to process it and show it on the on, on the screen so maybe the next team was and uh, next team will say yeah your system is also not real time it needs to be five milliseconds uh, for me 100 milliseconds is real time eh? that's uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah for, for everyone else yeah but, but maybe other people are like yeah the the previous version the Ankorama is like let's say it updates every Second, maybe for that person, it's also real time. It depends. It, it yeah, depends yeah. on the person. Yeah, I would say like the, the biggest difference I think is that their system is pool based, so they do like every so many seconds they pull something and we just push everything through, uh, which makes it feel more real time at least. Can you can you explain that a bit further? What um, what do you mean by that? By pushing and pulling? Yeah. So. Um, uh, what what the old system does is uh, every five seconds it says, "Hey API, can you give me all the current data?" And then it animates it so it so it like looks like it's uh, going up in in real time. Um, but we don't need to animate it because every order that comes in, we just push it through. And I think like on average we do that in 30 milliseconds from uh, taking it in to showing it in the front end. Uh, and so it's it's that fast that it just looks like it's animated already because it comes in that fast. <laughs> yeah, but you, that means you're you're not talking to the API. You're consuming something else. Uh, we are listening to our API, but we are never requesting something from API. We just when we start up, we say like, hey API, give me a stream, and that stream just goes on until you close the website. Um, what technologies or what design patterns did you have to use to uh, yeah to achieve this uh, yeah 
maximum processing time of 100 milliseconds? Um, the most important thing is that everything we built is non-blocking. Everything is fully reactive and with back pressure in mind. Um, so this means uh, the system tries to process the peak load, and if it's not, it will slow down pooling, and it will still process at 100% uh, every, every single time. This means it's more optimized. Um, so there is no, there are no threats waiting or resources being wasted. Uh, we're doing nothing. It's always uh, only when needed and uh, maximum capacity. So the data comes in from PubSub um, that's being reactively pulled and then being processed and saved uh, with uh, DBC in our Postgres database. Once it's saved, we have built in uh, some triggers to do a proper aggregation without reading the database, only updating it. So there's also a big gain for us. Uh, we don't have to read the database only on start of the API. Uh, we read uh, aggregated data for just a day and we cache that so we don't have to query the database anymore. And then from that point on, uh, the trigger is triggered and it notifies the API as well, like, hey, and I'll ingest it, I'll update the cache and send it to the front end. Receives the update and we uh, show it instantly, and that's uh, how we reach the 100 milliseconds, less than 100 milliseconds. One of the nice things as well is that we, in our API, we only keep the latest value, uh, and the browser, uh, because of back pressure, decides how fast it wants to update. So if you have a slower computer or slower browser, it will just receive less updates, but it will always have the most up-to-date value. Um, I think that's also a nice gain that we have for this uh, flow. Yeah. And, and that's also possible because of the reactive uh, uh, design of this, right? Yes. Yep. And also, I don't know if you mentioned Marvin, but between the uh, between our API and our front end, we're using um, uh, RSocket, uh, which is a reactive network protocol. So we mm -hmm. we can also use our reactive paradigms over the network. To get this reactive part working, did we have to overcome certain things, or did it just work out of the box? Eugene starts uh, laughing, so you can talk about it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it didn't work uh, straightly out of the box. We wanted to do it with the uh, Kotlin coroutines. We tried to write it in coroutines, but we didn't have enough knowledge to get it working because we had we had leaks. So we uh, switched back to Reactor, got it working, gained some more knowledge, and we read it again in coroutines because. Coroutines are much easier to read than uh, reactor code. So there, there was there, there was a real learn, learning curve there, where you had to try different technologies, basically building upon the on the learnings that you did, and in the end uh, uh, going back to the to the thing that you know that could work, namely the Kotlin coroutines, and then you got it working because of all the experience and the knowledge that you built uh, while doing this. And I yeah. think that's yeah, actually. Exactly. A great example of how to do this properly. Cool. Yeah. Actually, uh, all of us went to KotlinConf in Copenhagen last year, uh, and mm -hmm. there they were talking a lot about Kotlin uh, uh, So we were like, oh, we really want to start using this and see if it's like production ready for Bold.com as well. Um, but yeah, in the beginning, we just didn't have enough knowledge, and we had some memory leaks, and we just went back to basics, and then later learned more about it and yeah, reread it again. Now it's fully in coroutines. Hey Peter, this is also a podcast where a lot of other podcasts are coming together. Basically, we had reactive program in the podcast. We had one on that uh, specific conference uh, that you're calling. So all our listeners, if they're more interested, they can just go to the to the podcast and check the episode that they want. It's awesome. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. 
Hey, but but you um, you you just described uh, yeah from what techniques uh, building blocks you uh, you build out this uh, this project. Mm -hmm. uh, you also explained that you started this project uh, while working on the on the hackathon. Mm -hmm. When did you design all this? Was it was it along the way, or did you come up with the design and and that, yeah? Or, and so the question is more like: Is it more experimental, or was it already in the head of you and? Fully experimental, I would say. I think yeah. we, <laughs> production and we did everything with just the thought of, would this work? Let's see. Uh, if we can make it work, that's cool. And I think that was the process of us uh, change the mindset now, since people are actually watching the real-time sales dashboard. Oh well, yeah, I think I think the current setup also doesn't look anything like our initial proof of concept. Nope. During during the hackathon, we were using MongoDB, which is a NoSQL database. Um, and that was working pretty well, pretty fast, and then security didn't allow us to use it. So we had to figure out how to do it uh, uh, with Postgres. But it's nothing like our initial design. The initial design, yeah. <laughs> Good. You already said, okay, you're now in, in production, so people are really uh, using it. What, what, did, what did you change now to, uh, yeah, to maintain it in, in production, but still innovate on it? What we do now is instead of using uh, test data, uh, normally, we have an API running locally, uh, one in staging and one in production. Um, but what we do now is we just, uh, we don't break the API anymore, so no breaking changes in the current design of the API. And if we add new values, we can still deploy it to production. So we get the production data in on our local machine as well. We can listen to the production API in our test environment. And in that way, we also get the production data already bit, uh, in. We can uh, see what it does and how it behaves. And then uh, eventually the front end will be pushed to production. Nobody sees that the API and the data loader is changing because they only see the front end, of course. But uh, while that, that is changing, we also change the front end locally and test it on staging. Yeah, so smart. So first, uh, first the API changes and then the, and then the front end. Nice. All those techniques and, and building blocks, the, um... You uh, evaluate, evaluated a lot during uh, uh, during this process of uh, rebuilding this uh, real-time sales. Um, what are what are the most important uh, moments in this in this process for you? If you if you look back in retro, what uh, what are the key uh, components to you know, to have this achievement? Uh, I think the key component is being creative. Um, as we said, it doesn't look like anything as we did in a proof of concept. While well, the proof of concept was working, we had to rethink everything and what we can do. So I think being creative in that sense and being open for new techniques as well. Uh, since we were using Mongo with the reactive Mongo the database adapter, we were like, all right, so what are the options if we're not going to use Mongo and what is still supported uh, with the reactive database adapter? And then we eventually found out about RTDBC, and then we were like, okay, this enables a lot of other databases. We started comparing them and see what would uh, provide what we needed. And I think being creative in that sense and being open for new techniques, uh, that makes it, uh, that's very important for the project to actually succeed. And I think the other yeah. nice part we have now, as said before, like the short feedback loop. So if somebody has a new idea or somebody has an opinion about something, we actually, share it instantly with each other we have all uh, have our own opinion about it uh, we vote and then we do something about it or not and the short feedback loop is also very nice yeah for sure and one other thing that's very creative that I, or I think is very creative that we did is that um, in order to remain the speed with postgres that we were having with mongo before we 
made like database design in which we never really read from the database. We only write and stream data through. So uh, we only have to read when the API restarts, basically, and the rest is just streaming based. I like that a lot because it's not really how you would think a SQL database looks if you are now it's standard. I think it's uh, pretty cool what we did there. And one thing that I would add is like the, your code your is never perfect. You can also always go back and improve it. Improve it. So because we had it working in Reactor, we could say, yeah, like, it works. Let's just stop. Let's just keep using this. But we went back with new knowledge and we written it again. Yeah, so so what you say is uh, dare to to experiment with some something else. But uh, if that doesn't work or you add new knowledge from it, step back as well. Uh, go back to the old, uh, uh, the first choice you, you made, right? Yeah, I think uh, we experiment quite a lot and we failed fast. So we will see if you deploy something to production, which had memory leaks and uh, running coroutines everywhere, we will see it like in a minute and see the CPU usage spiking. And then we're like, okay, redeploy the old version that is actually stable and let's figure it out again and try it again and see if we can actually match it. And when I look uh, at, the, at the front-end side, uh, the, this, this version uh, has similar components as the, the, the previous one, with, um, and based on the, the graphics and that kind of stuff. Uh, did you pay attention to, uh, to the UX in that sense, or was it just this, this is what we need to rebuild? So we made a, a, like a very proof-of-concept kind of design in the beginning that didn't really think about any Broadcom-specific things. And then uh, later, um, we started talking with uh, Pitu, what's his name, Pitu Cabanillas. <laughs> it's a designer in the, in the app, which is in Marvin's team. So uh, we actually had a designer on the, um, on the team that, that could help us with, with UX questions. Uh, so a lot of the design is actually coming from him. And the, the things that you, you mentioned earlier was, uh, yeah, there, there are quite some similarities with, with other, uh, yeah, uh, projects we do at, uh, at Bold.com. Do you think that uh, with the approach that you took, uh, that, that there are things that are really different from, uh, from all the things you do at Bold.com? I think like the, the way that we communicate to the front end is really different. Like we use our mm -hmm. socket for that. That's yeah. uh, protocol really designed for talking between microservices. And you don't really see that with, with Imbol. You mostly mm -hmm. see like simple REST calls to a microservice instead yeah. of this pro protocols, especially designed for microservice communication. Mm -hmm. Also, because this is not really a... Um, uh, like production critical service, we can use a lot of experimental features and be yeah. early adopters for a lot of our. Uh, so we use calling coatings things that are not in in their production release yet, which is I think also pretty cool that it gives us this option to try out be be beta users basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the main techniques that we used uh, weren't even out production ready while we already built a we used it to build the, the real time sales dashboard basically. So it was experimental coroutines, experimental view tree that is actually released now. So uh, during that development as well, view tree that we used as a beta alpha version, we also had to implement the newer, uh, the new fixes from view um, since it was still an alpha. So that was also interesting to keep updating the libraries and being cutting edge on them. Exactly. So, so a lot of the things that I hear is uh, yeah, we, we, we could use very early stage uh, technology, uh, which we could try out uh, in this project and yeah, gain knowledge to uh, yeah, spread it in bold.com and, uh, and in other uh, projects. 
Mm -hmm. uh, we use the reactive approach to the front end, which really isn't that uh, because lots of the pages that we show are have quite static data, and this is one that reactive uh, uh, way of communicating is, is really into. Uh, yeah, it really has uh, an advantage. So we could also uh, experiment with that. So that's really cool that we yeah, could could do this. Uh, awesome to hear uh, from you. I, and I hear you say uh, it's not a business critical system, um, but coming Friday is uh, Black Friday. Are you on call in the evening? Can we call you if uh, if it if it breaks down? <laughs> I'm pretty sure we will be uh, uh, available. <laughs> I think so as well. The later the evening, the, the less available we will get, probably. <laughs> not, not because of availability, but because of other reasons. Hey, uh, yeah, let's let's talk about. Um, yeah, you, you already uh, um, um, implemented a lot of great stuff you were thinking of along the way. Uh, but what can we expect in the future? Do you have already a, a, an app in mind? Uh, because, yeah, uh, app first is, I think, the, the credo nowadays. To, uh, what do you have in mind for us? An app? Uh, I, think, I think an app would be not probably going to be on the planning, at least not in the near future, but uh, maybe this coming Friday, we will also implement a new feature where you can see the difference between what uh, Bold.com generates as a seller and the partners generate on the platform. And that's a feature that we want to build in and that's going to be, be available soon. But an app in the near future, not. Yeah, I don't, the reason I think an app will not really work is because you need VPN access now to get uh, data from our backend systems. Uh, and only internal Bob.com MPs are allowed to see it now. So I don't see that much extra value in an app. It's it's possible to see it on your phone if you want to, but then you need a VPN on your phone. Yeah. Um, which uh, I know my product owner, for example, does it. I know some other people do it. So it is possible, but uh, I don't I don't see us building an app anytime soon. Mm. One of the features I think that might be cool, though, that a lot of people are talking about is uh, uh, showing, that, for example, the top three uh, shops within Bob.com. Uh, so is fashion doing better than uh, sports or something, for example? Um, and another cool thing I think would be a heat map in Netherlands and Belgium. So you see like orders popping up in real time in the map. Coming from where? Yeah, okay. Yeah. And um, you already said, uh, Eugene, uh, a distribution on, on uh, what sellers uh, do and, and uh, the, the retailer one, uh, the retailer bot.com uh, does. But maybe thinking out loud, is, wouldn't it be great if we kind of offered this same tool for to our sellers? Did you already thought of that? Is that? Uh, I think that would be an inter interesting security question. <laughs> no, but no, but I mean, they are specific data. So the uh, I don't know one of our retailers. Uh, I don't know a pet shop could uh, could just see their uh, their data of last year and and this year just like uh, we at Bold.com uh, could I think that's uh, there is a team ready think that that would be actually pretty nice to uh, to share with uh, with uh, with one of the partners if yeah. you could create such a dashboard that would be pretty nice that you can really check your performance but you re we already have something like that building that yeah, where Brian was in, where Brian and Kuhn uh, were in that team. I, I forgot the name. Yeah. In Teraplex, uh, they built something. Teraplex. It's just not real time, so it might it might be interesting. I see already Ghost doing some some brain <laughs> stuff going on in uh, or not. Uh. <laughs> yeah, we can do like a, a collaboration with Team Teraplex, maybe. Who knows? 
the next uh, <laughs> next hackathon uh, guys that would be, yeah, yeah. Uh, would be awesome <laughs> <laughs> hey other other future developments uh, to share or is it a surprise <laughs> yeah, let's say it's a surprise <laughs> <laughs> right i do think like if people have ideas they can always uh, like this is just to colleagues, not to public uh, people listening, but they can also come uh, into our Google chat uh, to to give ideas or come. We're open for uh, suggestions. Yeah. Well, even for, uh, for people outside Google.com, if they have suggestions for such uh, dashboards, etc., then uh, yeah. yeah, please comment on uh, yeah, yeah, sure. TechLab at Google.com or on the, the Twitter and etc. Would be great. Hi, Peter Paul. Uh, looking at you again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it's it, yeah, I, I, it's, it's awesome what, what, what we did here. And I think for a number of reasons I, I already mentioned that we could use uh, really cutting edge uh, technology, really quick uh, feedback loop, really short feedback loop. Um, uh, still, yeah, something that, that a lot of people watch because you can uh, uh, make fun of the number of users, but it has still more users than a lot of other internal applications so mm, yeah that's <laughs> and uh, uh, people will notice the coming days if it's down so in that sense it's critical uh, so I, I think it's awesome uh, to do things uh, uh, like this and I, I really see the see the benefit uh, of this um, yeah, so what we really want to share now uh, from your uh, point guys is yeah what's your takeaway that you really want to share uh, with the audience to either do a project like this themselves or what you learned or what should they really remember from listening to this podcast? Yeah, for me, it would be fail fast uh, to, to learn and make uh, the most use of your resources. So like, don't write, write for your program to run on. It's like driving on the highway in the first gear, write reactive code, shift up to the fifth gear on the highway. It would be much better. Make better use of your resources that you have. Yeah, I think uh, that's a very good point. Like it's very cost effective what we're doing. And I think that's because we, from the beginning, we've been um, paying a lot of attention to what we do in our database and make sure that everything we do is, is um, like efficient for what we're trying to do and not try to overkill stuff just for for the wrong reasons, right? Like if we're gonna optimize for something that's that's for reading and we're never reading the database, that's weird. So we always try to optimize for for our use case. I think that's a it's a good thing to to to, to think about. And I think my takeaway will be begin small, uh, so you can actually prove it to yourself if it's even possible what you want. So make a minimalistic MVP, uh, make it really tiny. Just like, okay, can I get data through uh, real time? If this is possible, yes, okay, we can continue working on it. If not, we should think about something else. Uh, I think that also is a nice approach. Yeah. Especially don't forget to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I think we have a lot of fun during our days at the office yeah. back then and now also as well every Friday, uh, being in the call all day with each other and having fun and uh, thinking out loud. Yeah. And if the company you works for you gives you 20% of your time to do this kind of stuff, then use it. I, I, I must say I hear a lot of stuff in in your uh, yeah your takeaways that that we don't see every day in in all teams. And and I'm really curious, is that because there's no time pressure on a project like this, or is it um, there is, is something pressure. else, or is it 
what, so, what do you recognize what I mean or yeah yeah I think um, for us seeing it as a as a hobby project it's it's not that critical although we were kind of stressed because we set a deadline of Black Friday 2020 so we did had a an, uh, uh, a deadline to make but then on the other hand it's it's our 20% personal time we can we can spend on anything and we found this project we are just like emotionally invested in nowadays and we just like want to make the best out of it so i think that passion um, is really good drive for what we're doing yeah and it's also there's no there's no pressure from from business to get something i mean now it's coming more and more but like we we spend almost a year on this without any business pressure so that means that you can really focus on the, the the technical aspects and make sure that's that's some point. And I guess in in different teams, business value delivering business value might be more important than technical uh, aspect. Yeah. Yeah. But but what what I learned from this is that maybe by relieving a bit of business pressure, that you get more uh, yeah, room and space for for experimenting, which in the end gives gives even yeah better or. Uh, yeah, and I, I think do. making cost-effective code is also business value. So exactly. maybe it's a, it is a good takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. If you compare it to uh, the, the old real-time sales, that's running four times as expensive as a current setup. And yeah. I think if you if you take a, if you look at the cost for a whole year, being uh, having no business pressure and actually having time to optimize stuff really does add value. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Th thanks, guys, for uh, for sharing this story uh, with us and um, giving these uh, these insights in your uh, yeah experiment experiment. But it yeah, it has a, a nice uh, product uh, that we now all use. So uh, really looking forward to uh, to the coming days and uh, I will think of this uh, this recording, of course. So thanks for your time and hope to have you again in this uh, podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you liked the episode, check some of the others. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for TechLab and subscribe. Leave a 5-star review so others can find the podcast easier and spread the word. We like interactions, so if you have any questions or suggestions, find us on Twitter, LinkedIn or mail techlab at ball.com. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun!